It's another Pleasant Valley Sunday here at NH Unscripted, except it's not Sunday and this is not Pleasant Valley. However, I am your happy host, Ray Dudley, a.k.a. The Missing Monkey, if you get that whole reference in there. We are coming to you from the cool digs of WKXL Studios in Concord, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. And for you happy souls in Manchester, 101.9 FM. And, and you can find us out on the interwebs at nhtalkradio.com. Do not go there now. We have stellar people in the studio. Don't go out on the interwebs. (sighs) Before we go too far, well, how do I want to do this? I'm going to introduce my guest first. Then I have to do my sponsor. Otherwise, Kat tears her hat out. I mean, her hair out. In studio with me today, from the Winnipesaukee Playhouse, is Leslie Pankhurst. Good afternoon. Hello, Ray. And Timothy LaCoye. Hi, Ray. Yes. Okay. That's it for that. Now I got to go into my my spiel. We need to thank Lakes Lakes Region Fence for sponsoring this podcast. Matt and the crew up there at Lakes Region Fence. LRFence.com is their website, LRFence.com. They do incredible work fence-wise. Oh, my God. If you go out, they do horse corrals. They do property lines. They do pools. They'll they'll fence in your mother-in-law. They'll do it all. They do they do cedar. They do powder-coated aluminum. They God, I can't even remember it all. They do chain link, of course. Duh, fence company. LRfence.com. We love those guys up there. Go out to their website. Not now. And check out all their work. Thank you, Matt. Now I'm back home. Welcome, guys, again, for real. <laughs> so, you guys are from the Winnipesaukee Playhouse, one of my favorite places, correct? We are, indeed. Was that correct that it's one of my favorite places, or that you're from the Winnipesaukee Playhouse? I, I can verify one of those things. I see, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> um, you guys just had your 20th anniversary, correct? Indeed, yeah. Just uh, just a couple of days ago, we separate. We celebrate. We've been celebrating all year our twentieth season uh, anniversary, and we just had our twentieth season gala uh, that you were nice enough to to perform with us <gasps> at. That's right. I was there. That's right. That's <laughs> we were going right. to get around to that anyway. Right? That's, uh, <laughs> that's where this was leading. Yep. 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 Exactly. Thank you for that segue. <laughs> so I, I need to address a rumor. So now you've done twentieth season. You're heading twenty first. Your growth continues. Is it true you guys are next going to build a casino? <laughs> Hotel and casino. See? That would be amazing. Is that, that sounds like a great revenue huh? source. And, uh, yeah. Why didn't we think of that? I, oh, you didn't. Line, so uh, that's just a rumor. Right. No, I think you started I may have done that. You <laughs> may be now. very, that might be true, actually. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about um, the 20 years in general and the 20th anniversary in specifically. Over the 20 years, obviously, you've had a lot of growth. I mean, you started in that little mall right up there at the Wares. What is that place called? That uh, The Alpenrose Plaza, which is that little strip mall in Wares Beach that used to have a Dexter shoe store. (laughs) It was an agonizing place 
to perform. Not <laughs> <laughs> only because there is no real dressing rooms, right? There's kind of like these offshoot little There was a tiny closet. Yeah, t- thank you, you. I think you did one show. Your I very did. first show there, right? <laughs> I did yeah. one, and I'm complaining about it. <laughs> it was cozy. It was. Okay, that's a yeah, great Yeah, that's way the real it. estate term for it. Yeah, that's cozy. right. It had a view. <laughs> so over the 20 years, what do you think is the big, biggest accomplishment for the theater itself? I mean, I know you built a brand new theater, but is there anything else that stood out over the 20 years that uh, you're like, this is the highlight of our 20-year existence? There, Go. There, there are a lot of milestones. Yep. Obviously, I would, point to, I would point to the entire body of work, the... We said it at the gala, it's been just in terms of professional shows, and we're a theater that's divided into a professional community and and an education wing. There have been 120-some-odd professional shows over the course of 20 years, which is a a mind-boggling just a number. And before you even start to talk about the quality of performance and the number of actors and designers and directors and technicians that we've employed over the years and you know the number of connections we've made and friendships and you know all of that stuff so i it's hard to maybe tease out one particular thing i think there are certainly milestones you can point to building the new theater you can point to the you know the the, the milestones in terms of the first musical we ever did and the first you know the, the biggest audiences we've ever had and people we've worked with and that type of thing but i i think i'm really proudest of looking at it in totality and saying that you know look at this body of 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 artistic work that we've created and this network of people people that we've we've built over the years yeah 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 so let's talk a little bit about some numbers what has been the highest grossing show for you or the one that's been maybe the most sold out is it mamma mia it's probably yeah one of those sort of big audience you know, something with a really wide appeal. Uh, Mamma Mia was really big for us on Golden Pond, um, which which starred Ernest Thompson, the author, uh, in the in the the the, the role. Um, those types of things have been really big for us. Uh, I would say I would then point to the things that had small audiences but were sort of artistic high points for us. There have been those those kind of. Um, somebody said to me the other day that, that whenever the Playhouse announces a season, there's always a certain number of big audience-pleasing things and a certain number of things where we're saying, just trust us. <laughs> it's gonna, you've never heard of it. It's weird. It's going to be great. Come and see it. And those things tend to have smaller audiences, uh, but also have, you know, we're, we're incredibly proud of the work that's being done. And I would point to... Miss Julie and Conference of the Birds and those, the, you know, those things that you may be going, I, oh, I missed that one. And yeah, you did. And it was great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how do you balance that? How, I mean, obviously you have to make money, mm-hmm. um, but from an artistic standpoint, you want to be the artist that you want to be. Right. So h- how do you figure out what should and shouldn't or may or may not uh, fit into your yearly um schedule. Yeah, I uh, we're a nonprofit organization, a 501c3, uh, which means that we have a public service mission first, um, which means, you know, we're an arts organization first, but we also have a campus to maintain and employees to pay and lights to keep on and snow to remove and and all of that. Um, so it is it is as you say, it's it's really about balance. And I think it's it it's a specific uh, discipline, but it's not all that different from balancing a family's budget or you know that type of thing. It's the things that you want to do that you feel are 
uh, important to the theater's mission, and you want to follow that that mission of inspiring and entertaining and educating people uh, in the Lakes region. And then there is the, uh, in an ideal world, you can pick projects that do that and also bring in revenue that keep the lights on. Um, and then I think there, you know, there are certain things where we go, this is a project that I am excited about and will you know, be a revenue generator. This is a project that will be a revenue generator and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, so it's it's really it's it's about trying to find those things that are going to 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 do both, mm-hmm. you know, in an ideal world. The other thing is that as a nonprofit organization, about fifty percent of our revenue comes from contributions, um, you know, from from donors and from advertisers and from sponsors and that type of thing. And as much as that feels maybe transactional, I really like to think of that more as. Um, a representation of building a community of supporters, right? Because it's if you give money to a nonprofit, to the Winnipesaukee Playhouse, to the Red Cross, to you know, name your name your favorite nonprofit. There's no there's no return there's no financial return on that investment, right? Like if you yeah. if you were an investor in a startup company, you were doing that in hopes of making your money plus back, right? That there's there's that hope, and when people give their money to a nonprofit, they're investing in something that they think is going to do some good in their community and you know is is providing a service that is needed and they believe in the mission of the organization if you do programming that is not true to that mission right like it's in order to to make money and to to keep the lights on you have a harder time <laughs> pointing to that programming as a reason for people to give to your organization right you yeah. want people to be on a mission with you and wanting to be want, you want them to be supporting the work that you're doing so there's this balance of you know when when times are lean um, the kind of counterintuitive thing that you really need to do is like that's the time to really lean into the work that you know your organization should be doing because otherwise in a t- in leaner times you're going to be also <laughs> pushing away those supporters who dig the work that you're doing and then they look at the you know some season that you've created that is all about uh, keeping the lights on and they're less likely to contribute at that Do, point are you getting pressure well okay hang on here you hear no that go music? ahead go ahead hear man. that music in the background <laughs> that means we're putting on our tap dance shoes and tapping away for a few minutes. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your handsome host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the bunkers of the WKXL studio in Concord. You're listening to us on 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, both of those in Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. And still don't go out to the internet yet where you can hear us on nhtalkradio.com. We're coming back because I got a lot more questions. I mean, I got a lot more. This is NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the not-quite-spotlight conditions of the WKXL Studios in Concord, New Hampshire. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. 
And for those folks in the Manchester area, 101.9 FM. And you can not yet, not yet, nhtalkradio.com is where our archives are, as well as the archives of all the other great shows here at the studio. Speaking of that, my guest today, Leslie Pankhurst, Tim LaCoye from the Winnipesaukee Playhouse. I scored them. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And I said I had some questions for them. And so here we go. Leslie, why is there even a Winnipesaukee Playhouse? What in the world? How do you wake up one day and say, hmm, we need a theater? We, we, there's just not enough theaters in New Hampshire. Yeah, I Leslie, think. How'd you do that? Yeah. How did that come about? How'd that happen, Leslie? Um, so, I, I mean, it started with, you know, a group of people who were brought up with theater, were passionate about theater, were working in theater, were volunteering in theater. Um, uh, in New Hampshire? No, all kind of spread out. Um, the original founders, uh, myself and the rest of the original founders, were uh, uh, spread out in Massachusetts, in London. Um, uh, and it started as a family business. Um, uh, my family uh, grew up going to the theater and enjoying the theater. Um, we married people in our family who uh, <laughs> who did the same, uh, and it started as a family business. Um, and we spent some time researching all sorts of places uh, to put the theater. New Hampshire wasn't the first or obvious choice. What? It wasn't. Um, uh, what happened was uh, uh, Neil and I, my husband Neil and I, uh, uh, left London, came over here, and we re- researched all sorts of sort of New Englandy type areas, um, Cape Cod and Maine and Saratoga Springs, New York, and the Berkshires. Um, and we kind of went uh, town to town visiting, making uh, appointments with uh, town managers and chambers of commerce and things like that, um, and, and sort of getting the the temperature of what people would think of a a, a new theater coming to town. Um, And we're, you know, at least people were honest with us. We got some very frank, very, you know, helpful reactions um, from some places who said, you know what, people have tried it here. It it turns out our area is not really into it. Or actually, there's a lot of theater here. It's hard to be a a small fish in this pond. and uh, we uh, stumbled upon Laconia specifically. Uh, Neil was looking at a map, and he saw a big lake, and he saw um, a picture of a mountain, and he went, huh. huh, I bet there's, like, people year-round at this place. <laughs> um, so we, we made an appointment with, with the town manager uh, and the, uh, of Laconia and the people over at the Belknap County EDC, um, and we... Uh, spoke to them on the phone first and said, hey, is it, are you interested in, you know, touring us around, showing us what you have in this area? And and uh, at the time, uh, the Colonial Theater in Laconia was still kind of a, a big eyesore in downtown Laconia. And they went, ooh, somebody wants to come and do theater here. And they, they showed us the Laconia, the Colonial. And we're like, yeah, this this is the project is not for us. This huh. is massive. Huh. Um, but we liked the area and we liked how encouraging people were um, in this area. And the fact that there was a little bit of theater here, um, some community theater, a little bit of professional theater at the time. And they thought, well, you know, this area could use more of it. And, and got, I mean, when you look at, at this area in those 20 years, I mean, three new theaters in Laconia alone in the last, what, four years? Yeah, it's yeah, impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it is. this this area absolutely had that boom that 
that the people in the area were hoping uh, it would have. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that us coming here and us settling here and us starting here was maybe a little bit of a catalyst for, for people to say this is an area that has some arts but could use more arts. And look how the playhouse is done. Look how they went from this tiny little strip mall um, to this beautiful campus in Meredith. And if they can do that, you know, there is there room for more? Um, it's a real little cultural area now that it, it absolutely wasn't 20 years ago when we first came to look. So. Are you finding any of the sales being cannibalized by any of these other groups? Have, you know, you, you could saturate an area. I, th- I think because the three other theaters that opened recently all opened right at the height of the pandemic, it's hard to know. Mm. It's truly hard to know how much the pandemic impacted people's habits versus other theaters in the area. I think the pandemic was such a strange sort of blip on our, you know, universal timeline that we'll we'll never know yeah. how much that has changed the trajectory. of. Have things. you fully recovered as a theater from the it's hard to say. It's not a, a binary state so much. I yeah. think, you know, anybody who's listening who's a, a runs a business would sort of probably understand that, right? Like, we, it, it's hard to say, yes, we're fully recovered because we've been talking about the fact that nobody rang a bell and said, everything's over. We're yeah. going to reopen everything back to normal, everyone. Um, I think there are lasting impacts on people's uh, habits. Um, I think there are lasting impacts on, and and certainly there are, uh, you know, continuing health concerns for people as as we, as we move forward. So I think it, it's sort of a you can never fully go home again situation. But I will say that it's this year has been the first year that we've felt confident comparing to. pre-pandemic seasons yeah for the past couple of years there's been a lot of sort of you know these are the numbers this is how this is how we're doing attendance wise or revenue wise or participation wise asterisk right because obviously we're functioning under these these uh really difficult circumstances this has been the first year that we felt confident in comparing to 2019 or 2018 or you know that that type of thing yeah um in terms of how we are comparing to those years it's it, it's still sort of hard to tell because we're what i was going to say as leslie was talking was that we're, we haven't had much in the way of quote unquote normalcy um either to exist with those new theaters in laconia or you know even just to exist as ourselves so i think we're moving toward that and you know i i would probably have a better answer for you in a year you mm-hmm. know when we have the 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 benefit of hindsight for this year Thank you. <laughs> yeah, not a satisfying answer, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay. But uh, actually, okay. in some ways, it's emblematic of where we are, right? Like, yeah. there is really no satisfying answer. There is no... Some days feel absolutely normal, and it feels like we are... We shook it off, and we are moving forward, and other days feel like, oh, my... We're, we're still so much feeling the impact of, of all of... And you know, it's, it's all not of just sort of the impact audience-wise. It's the impact on operations. So, mm-hmm. you know, like... The, our, our main sort of professional season is summer stock. We shove 15 people in a house to live together Good in close point. in close quarters. You know, we, this is actors and directors, actors and, and directors this is and not audience members. Right, right. Um, and <laughs> thank you for that yeah, clarification. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've been very lucky, but I know of other companies that somebody arrives for day one of rehearsal with COVID. And it just goes through the entire company like wildfire. We're talking 20, 30 people all yeah. with COVID at the same time. You can't rehearse right. <laughs> you know, under those circumstances. It really, um, I, 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 there's no wood in here. I'd love to knock on wood because we have been so lucky um, in comparison to others. But it really, um, 
it it really continues to affect how we how we operate you know the the old adage the show must go on and um when it comes to covid you know that's that's it's changed. It's yeah. changed that. And we're at a place where it's a little difficult to know what the responsible decisions are in that situation, right? You know, somebody in the company gets COVID, you know, the CDC has recommendations and then, you know, you look at what other theaters do and then you, you know, there's the common sense of how do you feel? And it, it's, it's, there was a time where it was much more cut and dry of, okay, somebody uh, tested positive, you do this and this and this, yeah. right? But we're in a, we're in a much grayer space when it comes to that at this point. And uh, I think that the theater community has kind of handled, has, as we've moved forward, has handled it differently than other communities have. So it's even hard to compare to other businesses and what their, what their best practices are regarding, regarding that. So yeah, it's a tough day. Those I mean, are the it, days that we feel like we're still very much in the shadow of it. And then yeah. there are other days where I, you know, go to work and it just feels like it did in, you know, in 2019. Good grief. Getting back to the 20 years, have you, have you been able to kind of uh, tease out what types of shows your audiences really do look forward to? I mean, having talked to Neil earlier, well, I don't mean like earlier today, I mean before. <laughs> you don't talk every day? <laughs> Start your day with a quick phone call? <laughs> you would think, right? <laughs> um, but A, it's very difficult because you, you think you've got a, a, a show that's going to just be gangbusters, and then it doesn't turn out to be that way at all. And then some show you might pick, which you, you randomly wanted to do, all of a sudden it's sold out and you can't figure out why. So over the 20 years, have you been able to kind of develop a sense of really, I mean, you're, you're on the verge of doing Mamma Mia every year now. I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's an ATM for a lot of theaters. So aside from Mamma Mia. Are we going to end the segment on it's an ATM for a lot of theaters? Yes. Or perfect. Yes. Because we'll plant a flag oh. in that. <laughs> I'm coming back because I want an answer to that question. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get it all out of here, folks. I'm trying to feel out what's going on up at the Winnipesaukee Playhouse. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your ebullient host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the not-so-overly-ostentatious digs of the WKXL Studios in Concord, New Hampshire. 14.50 a.m. for those of you still on your transistor radios. 103.9 FM, both in Concord. 101.9 FM for the Manchester folks. And at some point, not yet, you can go out and find the archives of our show at nhtalkradio.com. We're coming back. We're not done. took the last train to Clarksville, guess where you'll end up? Yes, NH Unscripted, kind of, sort of, in a way. I am your host, ever-maturing, sometimes, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the KXL Studios in Concord, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and in Manchester, 101.9 FM, and we have a presence on the web nhtalkradio.com. I see you moving your finger there. Don't go there yet. Get off the keyboard. I'm talking with Leslie Pankhurst, Timothy LaCoye from the Winnipesaukee Playhouse. I'm trying to get numbers out of them, but they're dodging me left and right here. Okay. 20 years you've had. 
to learn your audience, your demographics. What works, what doesn't? Do you have any idea? I think it's important to, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. I have all of the answers. Let me share them with you now. Um, no, I think it's important, one, to contextualize audience attendance within a broader scope of measures of success. I think that there is a show that is well attended, uh, and this is, I'm talking about some other hypo- hypothetical theater now, okay. a show that is well attended that is kind of meh, so-so, and rece- you know, received by the audience in that way. A sort of, you know, uh, a poorly produced production of a popular musical would be well attended, and the people who attend it would have kind of a uh, fine experience. And then I think there is an incredibly well produced uh, a production of a, a brand new play that nobody's ever heard of, which is sparsely attended, but the people who attend it have the the experience of their lives. So. I think you've got to contextualize attendance as one indicator among many of the the experience that the audience is having, the experience of the you know of the theater, the value artistically, all of that. I also think that different pieces of theater sort of scratch different itches in our brain, mm-hmm. right? There's the sort of if you're somebody who goes to the theater because you want to be intellectually stimulated or because you want to be distracted from your life or because you, you know, love musicals and, you know, you want to sort of be able to tap your foot to the music. Our audience is made up of all of those people and more. So I think what our audiences have come to rely on us for is a a wide variety. Um, You know, we're the theater that does, you mentioned Mamma Mia. We also, the first time we did Mamma Mia, did Miss Julie by August Strindberg in that same season. So those two couldn't possibly be more on the other side of the world from each other content-wise. And I I don't know a lot of other theaters that are doing that. And I think that's the kind of thing that our audience has come to rely on us for, that they're, you know, every time they come, it's something different and something, sometimes something that affirms what they already know. Like, I love the music of ABBA, sometimes something that challenges them, sometimes something that comes completely out of left field. Um, Like I said, there's the sort of, oh, the, I know what this is and I know I'm going to enjoy it. And then the, just trust us kind of kind of things. Yeah. And we get on stage before every performance and say to the audience, your word of mouth is our biggest form of advertising. And that goes both ways. And you believe that. Yeah. I know you do. It's absolutely true. It's quantifiably true. And, and, And it goes both ways. So if you surprise people with something they've never heard of but oh my God, it is amazing and it and it hits them somewhere, they're gonna tell their friends and people people really book things based on recommendations. If somebody goes to a musical and goes, oh, that's that show, you've heard about it, guess what, this production was not great. You know, people are gonna stay away regardless of the title. People have limited time, people have limited funds, and and, uh, hearing good or bad from somebody you know and trust is is gonna influence your purchasing habits. And I think you talk about audience numbers, sometimes those are indicators of, of things you know, if there's an audience that's relatively small and is consistently small over a run, but as the run goes on, it starts to tick up, right? That that's an indication that some sort of word of mouth is happening and that people are, you know, passing the word on to friends of theirs about the quality of the show. So sometimes it's not just, we're, we're looking at the numbers, of course, this is the really some of the only quantifiable like hard data that we, we get, but it's not always just about Ju- uh, uh, maximum number of seats, right? Like yeah. if, if it sold out, it was good. If it didn't sell out, it was bad. It's it's a, it's more nuanced than that, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, 
So. Well, and of course, you would always hope you never put on a bad show anyway. It's, right. It's maybe Whether just, people come to it or not, right, honestly. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it could be a stellar show and nobody – something about the title doesn't grab them or they've never right. heard of it. How much does the – do you have a, a very transient audience – it up there, yeah. And how much is that impacting? We're we're in a vacation yeah. area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we kind of our audience divides into three categories. We have people who are locals who live up there all the time in in Meredith and in, in the the surrounding area. We have people who are on vacation for a limited amount of time, or they're up for a limited amount of time for for other reasons, and you know we'll come to. Those are the people who tend to call and say, you know, I'm here this weekend. Do you have anything, right? And um, if it sounds interesting, they'll they'll show up. And then we have the people who are sort of th- three months out of the year, four months out of the year, that that type of thing. And then they'll go away. They'll go away when it gets cold again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it it is interesting. Um, the the as we are a year round organization, considering the way that those those demographics uh, change. Right. I talked about being a nonprofit organization and having a a community based mission knowing who our community is at any given moment and how it changes yeah. over the course of the year yeah. certainly affects us. We talked about we, we're, a prof- we're a professional theater, but we also have community community and education programming. Um, we tend to lean pretty heavily into that in the quote-unquote off-season um, for that exact reason, that we're really trying to appeal to the people who live here full-time um, in, that, in that span of time. Yeah. Getting back to the 20th again. So... How difficult was it putting that presentation that evening on? It was super easy. Yeah, we looked at. Yeah, <laughs> it was not, no not even close. Didn't sweat. I first of all, what was the feedback? Did you get feedback from your your audience of the whole evening itself? Uh, definitely, people reached out to say how much they enjoyed it. Uh, it. It was a little bit of a for those who didn't attend. It was kind of a an evening of of two parts. There was a gala dinner, uh, which was tented outside. Um, Each of the uh, tables uh, for our guests had a centerpiece named after a different show we've done in the past. What do you know that? It it looked very impressive, Ray. You should have (laughs) have stepped outside. I should have showed up. Um, We had props from the show (laughs) as table decorations. It was was wonderful. Um, We had a great catered meal. Um, And then we went inside for the presentation, which was kind of a retrospective. We invited back people who performed shows for us in the past, literally going back to the first year, um, the, the the first ever community theater show we ever did, um, uh, all the way to the present, we had uh, two numbers that were performed from shows this past season um, and kind of everything in between. Um, and, you know, it was it was fun to, to reconnect with people who, you know, performed here and then moved away yeah. um, to, to see how people, you know, it, have aged over time and I'm, I'm talking mostly that I the, see you staring at me the kids that- the kids who are now you know adults performing uh-huh. in the okay. show uh, I'm talking about you specifically yeah. <laughs> revisiting She's shows they did as children um, on the way here she was saying it was so interesting to see how Ray Dudley had aged yeah and he might not like, even make it through this interview he I was like just- don't talk about that that seems rude <laughs> we're guests you're not your friend. I do. I, I have a Hammer question for you. How how much? So Ray at yes. this at this presentation uh, performed a pretty significant monologue from a show you did with us a number of years ago. Yeah. How hard was it to uh, get all those lines back in your head? So well, that particular one wasn't that difficult. It's not. It's harder to get it out of your head because <laughs> because of that character. I, I did want to say though that I found the whole day that Saturday. Very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I, I wasn't prepared for. Um, I thought it would be colder, you know, in that, you know, you show up, you do your thing, and then whatever you do afterwards. Um, but I found myself, some people I didn't even recognize. I'm like, wait, do I know that? Wait, oh, that's... And then you're like, oh, my God, I remember when we did a show back. Because you're right, everybody kind of drifts off, right? And they go their own way after they do it a lot of times. I was very, very caught off guard by how how nostalgic I felt seeing a lot of those people. Uh, it was really very heartwarming. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea, and I was going to ask you about how you chose the different shows. Um, I don't know if you like were trying to get... I don't know. There, there were shows that I thought probably would have had a representation, like Chicago, right, which mm. was a huge show there, and we loved it. Um, but then there were other shows. I'm like, oh, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't seen that one, and I. I so for me, I loved the day. I, I really, it, it was warmer than I I thought. Mm-hmm. And we thank you for being a part of it, truly. Oh, we thank welcome. everybody who uh, yeah. who volunteered their time. All the performers were volunteers, and you know it beat. We didn't ask nothing of you, you know. We yeah. asked you to, to come back and spend some time with us. And well, it shows the love, too, though, right, and the respect that they have for the theater. I mean, really, for folks who don't know, the, the theater seats, how many? Two? 194. 194, that's all? Mm-hmm. Depending on the configuration, we it, can it change it. It was bigger it, that night. Yeah? <laughs> two, 252, I believe, in the configuration it was Yeah, in it's night. very intimate. For folks yeah. who do not know, it's a very intimate theater. For an actor, it's wonderful. For an, for an audience member watching the show... It can almost be uncomfortable because it's so intimate. You you hear everything. You I don't think that that's true. I don't. Know. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you imply discomfort when none when none exists? Yeah, exactly. It's the first time I've ever heard anyone say that. Huh? Huh? You hear the music? Strapping on my tap shoes. We're tapping out because we can take another break. And this is Ray Dudley with NH Unscripted. We are coming to you from the studios of WKXL in Concord, New Hampshire. 14.50 a.m. And if you're still using your transistor radio like me, flip it over to 103.9 FM. That's Concord. 101.9 Manchester. We also have archives at nhtalkradio.com. Don't go yet. We have one more segment. We're coming back. Yeah, last train to Clarksville. Yeah, ends right here at NH Unscripted. And I'm your host. Huh? Look at that. Ray Dudley, I'm here. You found me. We have one more segment to go here at the WKXL Studios in Concord, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. 101.9 FM in Manchester. Go get him, Edith. Also, our archives of the show, as well as all of the other wonderful programming here, can be found at nhtalkradio.com. Come on, give me 11 minutes before you go out there. You can wait in studio with me. People from the Winnipesaukee Playhouse, and if you have never, ever, 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 ever been to the Winnipesaukee Playhouse, first of all, shame on you. Shame on you. Second of all, get up, go up there. What he means is we welcome you. Yes, yes. Not under threat of... <laughs> we, we, hope, we hope he will join us. You are cordially invited. You are cordially invited. You missed a great event, the 20th anniversary up there. I was so happy to be a part of it. I mean that sincerely. I was humbled. I was proud. Um, so what's coming up? What, what's the rest of your year look like up there? 
Uh, so coming up immediately, October 20th through the 29th, we have, uh, we're really excited about this project. It's a, a professional TYA, which stands for Theater for Young Audiences production um, of Corduroy, which is, if you know the children's book about the little teddy bear with the, the missing button on, his, on the green overalls, just <laughs> yeah. nod along with me. That's fine. <laughs> the listeners know. That's, they're, they're nodding and they're yelling, the at real their, they're yelling at their radios right now. <laughs> um, those of us who were brought up with that book. Um, so the, the hope is that this is a piece that will appeal to ele- like elementary age kids, okay. but also to their families. And it's one of those great productions where it'll be kids and adults laughing at the same time for totally different reasons. And uh, it's very high energy, very slapstick, uh, lots of fun. Um, and again, that's October 20th through the 29th. We're super excited about that. That's in rehearsal right now. I've stuck my head in a couple of times. I've seen it's it's really, really lovely. So that's professionally produced theater for kids. Which is uh, something that we don't really have in our area yeah. at, at all. Um, the Lakes region is really... Um, at least not produced here. Right, right. There's some touring things that come through occasionally, but um, a lot of the uh, theater aimed at kids in the Lakes region is performed with kids. We do that in our education department. Lots of other companies in our area are doing it, and that's wonderful work, and that's important work. But what's also great is for kids to come in and see professionals doing work for them uh, at at their level. Wait, can you you explain that? Wait, are you saying that these are these are not kids performing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. This these are professional actors. It's it's a completely professional production, um, aimed at kids and and their families. So it's uh, yeah. Uh, these it, are like New York actors yep. that you br- that you've brought back in. Yep. yep. Brian Absolutely. Knowlton's directed it. Brian has direct directed and choreographed many shows for us. Cabaret in Chicago and uh, Ma- or the first time we did Mamma Mia. Um, this show, even though it's for a family audience, is getting no different treatment than we give any other prof- show yeah. we any other show in our professional season i have a very small head and <laughs> i just lost my headphones <laughs> for those of you listening at home yes what yes. just happened was yes. hilarious yes. what you couldn't see on the cam mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me, my small head <laughs> has problems um uh, yeah, so it is. You know, it is. It we treat every every production we do in all of our departments are important, um, and we we give them all. You know what what they need to support them in terms of the technology they need to support them and, and things like that. Um, but this one in particular, um, despite being you know uh, a new program, is being treated like any other part of our main stage professional season. Which really is very exciting. Yep. Is this a, a- coordination between the education department and the professional or was this just strictly professional and happens to have it, fallen into the yeah it, it, it's a it's a professional production um cory lawson who's the director of education and community engagement is uh spearheading an effort to we're busing in elementary school kids for you are a whole series of morning matinees there are hundreds of elementary school kids that are going to be able to come and see this production we're really excited about about that that's a re- not entirely new but a relatively new thing for us uh at least new in the recent history of the theater um and then there are uh, uh, I don't actually know the number off the top of my head, but some number of, prof- of uh, uh, publicly available performances, both in the evening and a handful of matinees. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a, a coordination in that way, but the production itself is entirely entirely professional. Is this something you're hoping to carry forward in the future? Yes, it yeah, is. Absolutely, we're hoping it's going to be the, the the first in a series. Oh, really? Yep. Oh yep. my God. Yeah, absolutely. The hope then being. 
that for educators who want to bring classes, that this can be something that happens relatively around the same time of year so that it can become part of their lesson planning and their, their sort of thinking about uh, their, the, the, the shape of their, their year. So this adds one more layer to your headache of already trying to figure out what shows to do every year, right? <laughs> I mean, because if you're, if you're going to, now you have to cater this to a specific target audience, correct? I mean, yeah. it's not like you just going to say it's, it's one of our professional the, uh, productions and whoever comes, comes. You're there's so much targeting, right? There's so much really great, really high quality theater out there that's appropriate for young kids, though. Um, so yes, on one hand, yes, for sure, that is now an additional kind of thing that we're we're committing to to doing but there's no shortage of great material out there to choose from and in some ways it's fun because it opens a door to shows we wouldn't otherwise pick so when we're choosing shows or when our education director whoever is has that position at the time is choosing Corey. that's Corey. Corey now but you should meet him it was you in the past (laughs) it was me in the past but Um, it's not anymore our education director choosing titles Ooh. to perform with Ooh. kids. She missed an email. Is probably not going to choose a title like Corduroy because it only has a few people in it. And when we right. produce shows in our education department, we want to involve as many kids as possible, right? right? right we want, right. can we get 10, 20, 30, 40 kids in a show? Uh, and then when we're picking a professional season, a show like Corduroy is obviously not going to go probably in the bulk of our professional season. So this is like, allowing us to suddenly have access yeah. to a whole host of scripts that we wouldn't have looked at in the past. They wouldn't have made sense in our seasons as they were. And this is a new department that is now um, appropriate for these titles. These, I mean, I grew up with the book Corduroy. It was a book that was read to me as a child. Where, where have I been? What I happened know. to my childhood? I mean, we're practically the same generation, <laughs> right, Ray. Right, yeah. um, I read it to that my kid, you know. is the bus <laughs> driving over Ray. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's you know it's it's a it's a story that people uh, hopefully other than Ray will recognize and to see it brought to life um, is exciting. There's so much there's so much wonderful children's literature that has been um, ter- turned into plays and has been made available you know to to bring to the stage. But do you think it's a big decision to turn it from the youth department performing it to the professional? I mean that seems like a big step that you're. Sure, but it's not an either or. We'll continue to mm-hmm. produce shows uh, the for, Panto. for students. The Panto that's coming up at, in December. Yep, we'll do Cinderella uh, in December, which is the you know the Panto that's based on this wild tradition from from England. Um, that is this kind of fractured fairy tale, and it's got pop music and silly jokes and standards. And you know, it, it, this this year it's Cinderella. It'll tell the story of Cinderella, but it'll also do it in a a weird and wacky way that you've never seen before. Correct. Um, which is a lot of fun, and we're we're looking forward to that. And in between uh, Corduroy and the Panto, we've got Fiddler on the Roof, which is our education Classic. department and the uh, uh, community theater together. So that's people from you know eight. Eight and up, basically, um, uh, performing that, which is really exciting. And then uh, the weekend of December 1st, Miracle on 34th Street, done as a radio play by our community theater. Um, so we're still doing all of the all of that, everything that we've been doing. This is an, this is an and, not an or. Mm-hmm. Before we go too far and we... and we end without doing it, can you give me the website for the Playhouse? Absolutely not. Okay. It's winnipesaukeeplayhouse.org. <laughs> it's what Google was invented for, yeah, Ray. Google it. Uh, it's winnipesaukeeplayhouse.org uh, and all of the information about upcoming shows and about ways to get involved. And uh, if you're interested in the archives, there is archival information on there on there as well. You can take a look at what we've been doing for the past 20 years. Um, 
Yeah. Ooh, I feel a segue coming. So that was for the past 20 years. Um, or was that something I ate? Hang on, let me figure that out. Um, the, where do you see the arc for the theater now? Um, you've got this beautiful campus. What's, what's on the horizon, can you say? Um, I can say that Please we, be able to say something. I, no. I can say uh, that the professional season for next year is chosen, and we are in the works uh, being able to announce that right now. You feeling pressure from me to say anything? Come on. <laughs> Let we me have, guess. We have announced one show publicly. We have announced one show publicly, which is Jersey Boys. Um, Jersey Boys will start our professional season next year. The Frankie Valley story, it's told through all of the Four Seasons music. It's really, it's really truly fun. And you'll probably be doing Mamma Mia again, right? The, well, that we'll a be, staple now we'll for you guys? Six productions of Mamma Mia followed <laughs> a by... A professional version, a community yep, version, yep. an education Absolutely. version, a youth version. So much Mamma Mia. No, we're announcing Jersey <laughs> Boys. And then I think what people will find is that it is the sort of what they've come to expect from us. There's a wide variety of material. We will be fiercely proud of all of it um, and in very different ways. I cannot believe the music's playing already. I cannot <laughs> believe it. <laughs> but not my jazz gloves. I got my hands waving. We're kind of time to get out of here. Cat, I cannot believe this. So much left untapped. In studio with me today, thank you for being here, Leslie Pankhurst. Thank you, Ray. Timothy LaCoye. Thanks, Ray. From the Winnipesaukee Playhouse. You've been listening to NH Unscripted. I am your ever-aging host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the bunkers of the WKXL studios deep in the basement of Concord. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. And for you folks in Manchester, 101.9 FM down there. Now you can go out to the archives, find all the other great programs I've done here since August, as well as all the other archives of the other great shows, nhtalkradio.com. See ya.